This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors in the financial industry. Out of Blue by Amundi. Welcome to Out of Blue Convictions, market analysis and asset allocation views. Hello, and welcome to the Zamundi Convictions podcast with me, Swaha Patanaik. Joining me for our monthly discussion on the latest market trends and asset allocation views is Monica Defend, head of the Amundi Investment Institute. Hello, Monica, and great to have you back with us after your August break. Ciao, Swaha. Thank you. Well, September generally has a bit of a back-to-school vibe about it, pretty much regardless, I think, of when one was last at school. Um, and it also always feels like the chance for a bit of a refresh. So, Monica, what were the key economic developments that emerged over the summer? And what sort of refresh are we seeing in our forecasts as a result? Yes, sure. Well, actually, markets were not uh, on holidays uh, during the, the summer. But if I have to summarize the key points, definitely the three growth, economic growth surprises, the US, uh, after experiencing exceptionalism after earlier this year, is now navigating a more mixed path with a focus on achieving a soft landing. But uh, on our side, we think the United States economy will run into a shallow recession late in the first quarter 2024. So we postponed uh, the, uh, the recession call followed by the transmission of monetary policy, so the, the tightening financing condition into the real economy, and a progressive deterioration into all the GDP components. When it goes to Europe, um, soft data have been pointing to a slowdown in the economy, but for the time being, we continue to see flattish growth in the coming quarters, but we acknowledge, obviously, the risk of recession and stagflation. China. China is experiencing a transition toward a new growth model, rest reliant on the real estate sector. And this will require, as we said, some sacrifices and a lower gear. So we expect a 2023 growth to end just below 5%, with a, a medium-term economic transition towards a lower uh, gear, let's say in the 3%, 4%. Uh, camp insulated from the global economic slowdown. Last but not least, inflation. Inflation is uh, proving to be stubborn. Uh, core inflation is declining too slowly for the central bank's comfort, but we think that at least for the Fed and the ECB, we are really closer to the rates peak. Thank you, Monica. Let's drill a bit more into each of those surprises and some of the implications for policy, if we can. So let's start with the US. How come the US economy has been quite so resilient? And uh, sort of how long would you expect those forces to continue? You've explained about the recession, but what are the key risks to that central forecast? Well, when it goes to the rationale of this uh, um, resiliency out of the U.S. economy, uh, we think that um, the most important contributors to uh, to the GDP growth is consumption, and consumers have been relying on the excess savings buffer that have been piled up uh, during the, the COVID crisis and with all uh, the support uh, that uh, came afterwards. And now these excess savings are really getting uh, exhausted. And the second uh, layer was investments. So on the, the so-called Bidenomics, 
where uh, fiscal incentives has been really supporting uh, these GDP uh, contributors. Now, now uh, approaching the year end, we really see uh, this slowdown uh, getting uh, a little bit uh, more uh, more space. But as I said, um, now that we, we stay in the camp of those that still believe uh, a recession will be there, uh, it will be a shallow uh, recession. It won't be a crack in the economy. Sure. Let's turn to the other really big global economy that you mentioned that is experiencing this slowdown already. How much government policy support do you expect in China to cushion what you were describing? Well, um, we think that, uh, as we said, China is experiencing a transition uh, toward a new growth model that is more balanced, sustainable and fair. So there is uh, all the government's willingness to accept near-term pain for better growth and quality growth in the in the long term. And this will require a top-down, painful supply-side restructuring as the transition cannot be achieved solely through market forces. So uh, we see a combination of mini monetary easing, incremental housing and fiscal easing is likely to continue, similar to the view that we hold since June and, and July. Uh, but um, we really think that the goal uh, of these policymakers is to manage the economic transition moving away uh, from the debt laden housing. And this suggests the leveraging as be- deleveraging has become the new priority over the old growth centering approach, leaving the pain threshold less clear, uh, to, to the market. So, uh, for the greater good, even three or four percent growth may not trigger more substantial policy measures. That's quite a change, as you say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and on Europe, Um, It's a huge region and the ECB, I mean, all central bankers have a really hard job, but the ECB has got a very disparate group of countries um, that it needs to set monetary policy for. It's looking at the aggregate, but underneath the hood, which European countries do you expect to be the most vulnerable um, and which look better placed to resist the slowdown that you described? Yes, as you mentioned, Europe is uh, is a big area and very variegated. Uh, I would I would say so. Uh, in um, in at aggregate, we don't see uh, a recession yet. Uh, obviously, there are downside uh, downside risks, but uh, we have uh, um, flattish uh, quarter on quarter uh, projections uh, when it goes to uh, GDP uh, GDP growth. Uh, there are mountain divergencing across uh, uh, countries. Uh, Germany, uh, Germany is the segment in uh, in Europe uh, with the manufacturing sector uh, that uh, is in a recession, and now also the service sector uh, is deteriorating. The, in the latest uh, industrial print, uh, where on the soft side, where PMI uh, have been uh, deteriorating quite quite a bit. Italy uh, has been. Um, has been actually with the second quarter uh, release that was uh, a negative. We think that almost uh, all the uh, construction boom is uh, is now over. Uh, probably we might expect uh, um, some sweet spot uh, on the third quarter because of tourism, so the summer the summer season. But definitely uh, some slowdown is in the pipe. Uh, Spain, uh, the consumption remained uh, resilient so far, uh, sitting on the benefits. Uh, that uh, the government has been paid out, but obviously this is coming to an end. 
while in France, probably uh, there will still the political support uh, for more uh, fiscal expenditure in the months to come. Right. Let's turn to the investment implications then of the base case scenario that you're outlining. Perhaps you could give us a couple of key takeaways and also if there are any shifts that you want to flag. Well, there are three uh, elements uh, that underpin uh, our um, our outlook on risk asset. Obviously, the central banks and when uh, they will get uh, into into the peak, which uh, we presume it will be the case, with probably uh, a no-kish pause that will last uh, at least towards the end of the year. But that Point, uh, starting with the Fed, it will. Uh, they are really um, approaching a juncture where they will have to decide whether it is enough what has been done uh, on the inflation uh, side, uh, not to be too detrimental uh, for the growth uh, pattern. The second element is earnings, our earnings, and again uh, we are seeing we have been seeing a good um, second quarter uh, reporting season, but with some shift. In the in the communication, uh, with CIOs uh, really questioning uh, the the top line in the in the future uh, to come. So uh, this is linked to revenues and probably uh, the global economic slowdown that is uh, in the pipe. And another shift is that eventually the macro and the micro. Uh, evidence are now getting uh, narrower. And last but not least, valuations, notwithstanding the correction that we had in uh, in August, uh, um, valuation remains broadly uh, dear. So uh, all in all, uh, the biggest change probably has been our reallocation and portfolio diversification in the emerging markets outside uh, China, with a preference for India, uh, for uh, Brazil, Eastern uh, Eastern Europe. So uh, this is probably uh, the major uh, change that we have been implementing, remaining neutrally neutral, negatively biased towards uh, European and U.S. equity, with a preference for U.S. value. Obviously, the quality call uh, remain intact. Right. And what about fixed income? In the fixed income, again, um, August uh, has been quite a volatile market uh, with the market participants focusing on the uh, pivot for the central banks and being very volatile in the uh, in the expectations. So uh, for the time being, uh, we expect this level uh, of rates uh, to, to be maintained, uh, having in mind that the ECB and the Fed uh, will oakishly oppose uh, the Bank of England is likely uh, to have another 25 bips hike. Um, they cannot do more because of the economic slowdown that is uh, materializing. So we remain agile on the on the duration call, uh, with a preference for the uh, a longish US duration position. So, uh, Monica, let me turn a little bit to um, the midterm, if you like, if we're talking sort of, you know, three to six months ahead. It's very warm in Europe at the moment, so we're not really thinking about winter. But what is your outlook for the energy prices, which are going to be crucial for that inflation risk that you talked about earlier for central banks? Yeah, as you said, it will be more important for inflation than for the uh, economic growth in Europe because uh, we are uh, really with inventories, uh, we are definitely uh, at a good level, even better than the one uh, that we had last year. So we do not really worry uh, on, an, on an energy crisis for Europe for the time being. Then 
you, you never know. But when it goes to inflation, um, we said that inflation is going to be stubborn. It will decelerate and probably into at a slower um, at a slower place uh, pace because the base effect uh, are not uh, are playing against us and the renewed energy pressures uh, are have been reopening. But uh, so far uh, so good. Uh, we expect uh, 0 0.1 0 0.2 um, percentage points uh, into the uh, inflation print. So uh, decelerating. Uh, but at a slower pace. Okay. I mean, I think running through the whole conversation that we've just had, Monica, you've been talking and flagging the uncertainties for economic data and therefore for policymakers and therefore for investors. So given all of that picture, what sort of hedging strategies might be appropriate? Well, you know, having in mind a baseline that is per se uh, cautious and is reflected in the overall risk exposure, the need uh, of hedging is, uh, is, is, is less strong, but still uh, gold uh, appears to be a good uh, diversifier and a protection against a recession and the uh, geopolitical risks that we have not mentioned so far, but remains uh, in, uh, in to, into the game, um, but uh, we acknowledge that the limited upside in the near term due to tight evaluation and the recent move up in uh, real yields will require a further uh, cautious stance. Thank you, Monica. It sounds like back to school, but also, you know, back to quite a lot to grapple with in the markets with a wide range of uh, diverse risks. Um, as always, thank you for taking the time to join us and share your thoughts, Monica. Thank you, Swa. And thanks to all of you for tuning in to the Zamundi podcast. We hope you'll join us again soon. This podcast is only for the attention of professional investors, as defined in Directive 2004-39-EC, dated 21st of April 2004, on markets and financial instruments called MIFID investment services providers, and any other professional of the financial industry. Views are subject to change and should not be relied upon as investment advice on behalf of Amundi.